What's going on, guys? It's Fancy Stock Exchange here, bringing you another episode of our ADP Battle Series. Today, I am joined again by Mikey. Mikey over here released his first video on the channel this week. If you guys haven't checked it already, check out Wednesday's video in the Dynasty Stock Market. Mikey's going to be heading that series for us. I was joined with him. And if you guys want to see uh, how to spot a breakout, make sure you go check that out. But today, we got a big banger of an episode of ADP Battles coming for you. Uh, two sets of uh, players that are very high, highly regarded as similar to last week's episode in the fantasy community, uh, all ranking in the top six at their position. But before we get into that, how are you doing, Mikey? I'm doing great, man. You know, when you, when you asked me to come on here and talk about uh, discussing the guys that we're talking about tonight, uh, Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins, I'm like, oh, come on, man. That's like, that's like slugging it. We got to do it. For sure, for sure. Before we head into those guys and the other two being Derek Henry and Dalvin Cook, we're going to hit the intro on you guys. Okay, so as Mikey was alluding to before the intro, to start it off, we're actually going to be talking about two highly regarded receivers in the NFL. Aside from fantasy for now, let's just talk about the two best receivers, in my opinion, in the league. Just phenomenal players. And that's going to be DeAndre Hopkins versus Julio Jones. So talking about their ADP. So DeAndre Hopkins, uh, according to uh, expert ADP, is currently going off the board as the wide receiver four at the 207 while Julio Jones is going off as the wide receiver five at the 208. So me and Mike here are actually going to be agreeing on uh, both of our uh, uh, ADP battles today. And uh, we're both agreeing on Julio Jones for the wide receivers here. So for me, this is actually, to be quite honest, I mean, I love Hopkins. He's a great talent. I'm going to get into him a little bit later. But in terms of fantasy football for 2020, this is one of the easiest decisions for me. Uh, And the fact of the matter is like, it's just baffling to me that Julio Jones is falling to the 207 uh, in experts leagues at the, or 208 actually uh, in expert leagues at this moment is just insane. So uh, again, as I mentioned, Julio Jones, in my opinion, is the best, most talented receiver in the NFL. And why that's a widely agreed upon opinion in general. I mean, you pull 50 uh, coaches, 80% of them, I believe voted Julio Jones as the best receiver in the league. And uh, it's easy to understand why. So if you're just looking off of since 2013, which was actually his third season in the NFL, Julio Jones has averaged over 90 yard receiving yards per game. And since 2014, has produced more than uh, 1,394 receiving yards or more. The reason why I don't say 1,400 is because last year he was six yards off missing a game. Uh, like it's, it's just insane. He is the model of consistency in fantasy football. And the fact of the matter is, uh, I'm going to talk about it a little, a little bit later on, but he's just, he's so easily a top three wide receiver for me in fantasy football. And it's not really close, but, uh, talking about the situation, cause that's the main contributor. I'll get you to, uh, to input after as well. Uh, and we know how the Falcons offense is. I mean, he's been on it. He's been the model of consistency in that system for years. If you're just breaking down the system from like uh, each section, he uh, that system had 66.7% pass to run split in the NFL, which actually led the league last year, and 258 vacated targets. And while I love Hayden Hurst, you love Todd Gurley, we talk about Russell Gage maybe being a sleeper. Realistically here, 258 vacated targets are going to be supplemented between 
what, four, four total other guys, like four total guys realistically that we can expect targets from. Not to mention we already saw 157 from Julio last year. Even if he gets a little bit of that, like there's not much that can really change about the situation in a negative standpoint. Like he's going to get at least 157. If not, he can approach 170. Who's saying he can't? He's the best fucking receiver in the NFL. So, I mean, if you're talking about it, uh, I love that consistency I get from Julio. Again, 157 targets. That was only 23% target market share on his team. Whereas if you're looking with Hopkins, uh, actually, talk about Julio. I'll get into Hopkins after. Yeah, so with, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. With Julio, it's like we already know what he is in this situation. It's not like his situation has changed. You know, like we already know that he can and has and will continue to be a top five option year in and year out. Uh, at the position, uh, we we know that his connection with Matt Ryan is arguably one of the best quarterback to receiver connections in the entire league. They are always on the same page. Um, they're always getting it done. And very rarely do you get that bust game from Julio Jones. Um, like you said, he's incredibly consistent, which is everything you could possibly want for uh, in any fantasy setting, whether it's standard, half point, full PPR, whatever your weird scoring is, Julio Jones is always going to be a top five receiver uh, in this offense. And if you're just looking at these two, purely based off of numbers, just even last year, uh, if, if, if you're in a standard league, Julio Jones was the higher scoring receiver. If you're in a half point PPR league, Julio Jones uh, actually finished just under him, but he played, or just under Hopkins, but he played one less game still averaged out, I think it was like 0.7 or 0.8 more points per game. Um, and then in full point PPR, Julio Jones was averaging about a half point per game more than DeAndre Hopkins. So it's like when, when you're looking at like the grand scheme of things, you're probably not going to go wrong either way. But Julio Jones, as we were saying, is in the exact same situation and is the best receiver in the NFL today. So it's yeah. Easily. To me, it's an easy choice, but I'll let you talk about DeAndre Hopkins' situation before I get too much into that. Yeah, for sure. Like, again, like when it comes down to it, like DeAndre Hopkins to me is the second best receiver in the NFL behind Julio Jones. Uh, phenomenal talent. But I mean, if you're actually breaking down the situation, it is kind of concerning for me, especially with the short and offseason, him changing teams. So just breaking down the numbers from last season, I mentioned that he had, uh, he has garnered 150 or more targets in every season since 2015. And last year, his 150 actually was a 28.1% target market share on the Texans, whereas Julio's 157 was only 23% of the Falcons total. So in that the, the overall volume for Julio, he doesn't have to be a 25, 26, 28% target market share receiver to really return value on the overall volume of his target. So when you're mentioning uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, we just got to talk about the overall change. So uh, the target percentage is kind of crucial for me uh, in terms of like how I can kind of project him for the Cardinals. Because if you're just looking at it, I mentioned short and off season hasn't built that rapport with his quarterback. It's an air raid system. And in an air raid system, you really rely on multiple receiving threats as opposed to one alpha target dominant receiver. So realistically here, if he hovered around Julio Jones, like let's just play a hypothetical. If he hovered around Julio Jones's 23% target market share last year for the Texans, that would have only equated to 123 targets as opposed to 150. So for me, Hopkins is the type of guy who thrives with a ton of volume. You pepper him, you pepper him, you pepper him. He's going to make his hay. But we don't really know. Like, we've never really seen him not get that work. And in a short offseason, as I mentioned, with less rapport with his quarterback, realistically, like, I don't know how, much, how many targets I can really expect 
over that 123 mark because I don't think it's going to approach the 150, but I don't think it's going to be at 123. Maybe it cuts down to 130, 135. While I still believe that's going to be worthy of a top 10 slot, Julio Jones is just firmly entrenched in my top three to the point where if it's the mid-second and Julio Jones is there, I'm not even thinking about any other receiver whatsoever. He's going to be on my team. So that, that, those are my thoughts on Hopkins. I mean, I, I, the talent is there. The ceiling is there. Just the floor kind of scares me in terms of the overall volume perspective. Yeah, and to touch base on the whole target share thing, like I, I completely agree. You know, Hopkins is going from being the focal point of an offense to being just the top option. And I know it sounds like top option and focal point. Well, those are both both pretty good things to go after. But if you're the focal point of an offense, you are literally like the offense. Like, as you said, it was 20, 28% market share. They, they didn't have a stellar run game. Uh, Will Fuller was arguably their only other competent receiver, and he can never stay on the field. So it, it was, it's always just bound to happen, Hopkins in Houston. But now that he's going to Arizona, there is a large amount of talent on that offense, oh, whether yeah. it's out of the backfield with Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, or it's Larry Fitzgerald, who is one of the top five greatest receivers of all time. Um, they have Christian Kirk there. They just drafted three rookies last year, and they want to get them heavily involved this year. Like Hopkins is going to lose targets, and I will agree that he's probably still going to be somewhere between the 125 and 135 mark. Hitting 150 targets on that offense just doesn't seem realistic to me um, at all. So if you're if you're breaking it down between the two, I definitely give Julio Jones uh, the slight uptick on the talent, and I give him the way bigger uptick uh, in terms of in terms of situation. And then revisiting what you had said, um, it's it's a shortened pre, it's a shortened training camp. There is no preseason whatsoever. Um, you can have as many unofficial workouts as you want. I don't know how many times Hopkins and Kyler Murray have worked out together, but between now and then, they're only going to be seeing each other in the weight room and on, on conditioning and everything like that. Like they're going to get what three weeks of practicing with each other, like three weeks of official practicing with each other before they actually step on that field to play in week one. So for that reason, I'm smashing Julio Jones here uh, 10 out of 10 times between these two. Exactly. I mean, you mentioned that like, realistically here like yes rapport can happen like you could spend time with your guy i get that but the rapport only really builds when you're in game type situations you're practice you're playing uh offense versus defense you're playing in the preseason you're playing at the start of the regular season because let's be honest here i can go out to my local field and chuck a couple balls with my friend and think i have some chemistry with him like realistically <laughs> like practicing in shorts is not going to build a rapport yes you're going to get more familiar with the guy you're going to build a relationship with him i understand that but realistically here in terms of timing in terms of oh i want your route to be run this exact way i'm going to lead you at this spot this is exactly where the zone's going to open up on the defense like you have to understand that that's a that's a high mental processing that has to be developed between a quarterback and a receiver that's only going to happen through reps and those aren't available especially for uh again if Hopkins had that offseason or like hypothetically he was in the Cardinals uh, system for longer, like I can see the argument being made. But realistically here, there's just so such a short time to really adjust that I can't even put him in the same tier as Julio. Like Julio Jones to me is just one of the like, – if anybody has him outside their top four, it's just one of the most disrespectful things I'll see on like 
you know there's going to be that Twitter head who does that. But anyways, uh, we'll segue into the next ADP battle of the video. Again, kind of mentioned uh, Zeke versus Kamara in last week's video. I'm going to mention two other high-profile running backs in Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. So we're talking about the ADP. Dalvin Cook is currently going off the board as the RB5 at the 106. Well, uh, Derrick Henry is going off the board as the RB6 at the 107. So uh, again, for me personally, this is kind of like a preference in terms of uh, what your scoring settings are. Because I currently have uh, in standard and half PPR, Derrick Henry takes the edge. Again, like I'll talk about the concerns that I have with Cook. Whereas in half PPR, I mean, the catches are going to make it so that uh, I probably would take Cook. So, I mean, they're so close. But again, half PPR, this is Henry for me. I know you're agreeing with Henry. What are your initial thoughts on the uh, battle over here? So, when it comes to these two, I cannot, even if we're not battling between these two, I can't take Dalvin Cook at his current ADP. Um, you know, the, the contract talks are just getting so frustrating. Like, if you remember, what was it, earlier this week even, um, there was like the whole back and forth where we had like four different reports in one day where it was like, oh yeah, Dalvin Cook will be at training camp. Oh, no, he won't. Yeah, he will. No, he won't. Oh, I don't know where the coach is getting this from. Blah, blah, blah. Like there's just, it, it's so frustrating and it's just, maybe it's just the Melvin Gordon situation is so fresh in my mind, but yeah. I, I cannot spend a first round pick on a guy that is threatening to sit out, even if it's only the first two games of the season. You can't spend a first-round pick on a guy like that because you're almost guaranteeing yourself starting off your season 0-2 if you're completely busting on your first-round pick. So I really just don't like that. You know, he's Dalvin Cook is a guy I'd be comfortable with taking in the mid to late second round if somehow he fell, but I just I could not stomach taking him uh, in the first. And then even if he does play, if he comes out, let's say you, you draft him tomorrow and the contract is final in two days from now okay that's great and everything but Dalvin Cook also has those injury concerns you know uh that has been a thing with Dalvin Cook over the last few years with him being in the NFL it's just that there's always that thought in the back of your head that okay I'm probably not getting a full season from Dalvin Cook so if he's coming in he's at risk of missing the first two to three games of the season then at some point he might miss another two to three games due to injury it's like why are you paying a first round pick for a guy that you might realistically only see 10 or 11 games with this year yeah i i, I, def I definitely agree i mean he's got so much risk at this current juncture like if i'm having my fantasy draft at this point like realistically i'm, I'm probably gonna fade him no matter like no matter uh what at this gonna cost if he's going at like the late first round i can kind of buoy him with another elite back that's kind of where i would much prefer taking him and if it's a full ppr i kind of like Still see like one away. Maybe I'll, I'll take him around there. But you mentioned it. You hit it right on the head. I mean, it, your early round picks, you got to analyze your risk versus reward. Because realistically, all those guys, if they hit their ceiling, are going to be great contributors on your team. But what is the floor of Dalvin Cook? The floor of Dalvin Cook is it becomes a Melvin Gordon situation. The team sees that Alex Madison is thriving. Maybe they, they put Cook into a, a lesser role. He's still got the injury concerns. It's just kind of a mess to the point where I got a guy with Derrick Henry who – I don't care what people want to say. Oh, he doesn't catch the ball, whatever, yada, yada, yada. If I am going to make a prop bet right now on the biggest lock of the year in terms of running backs to finish with 1,500-plus yards and double-digit touchdowns on the ground, it's Derrick Henry. Like, it's plain and simple. Like, he may – like 
in my opinion, he may honestly just be the best overall runner in the league. For like, from a talent perspective, just as an overall runner, he is so good in that regard. Uh, if, if you need any more proof on that, Nick Shooks actually from NFL.com has his rushing, uh, rushing yards over expectations metric. And basically what that is, is based off your, what your offensive line blocks you for versus your actual yards per carry, it kind of deciphers like the difference between them. And Derrick Henry, we know, 5.1 yards per carry last year. His uh, rushing yards over expectation was over a full yard more than what, the, uh, what he was projected to get based off what his offensive line produced. The next highest was Nick Chubb at 0.9. So he was almost 0.2 yards each carry better than any other running back in the league last year. He's the king. I mean, King Henry, all hail. We saw what he did in the playoffs. Uh, again, th- this guy, to me, he's in such a good situation that it's almost insane. Like, even if we get a little bit of a tick up on the receiving work, like, he doesn't need to get that receiving work. Hypothetically, what if we get a year where Derrick Henry gets 25, 30 receptions? He can legitimately, like, I love, uh, Christian McCaffrey's my one. He can legitimately be the RB2, in my opinion, realistically, yeah. if he got that uptick. Because to me, he's so dominant on the ground. Again, I mentioned the standard half PPR format. So he's going to be dynamite for you. Uh, The fact of the matter is people are going to fade him for whatever reason because this is his first year breaking out realistically. He had the few games at the end of 2018, but this is the first full year he he showed he's a legitimate back. And to me, it just makes no sense. He is firmly entrenched in the middle portion of your draft. If you're picking between 105 and 108. If you can get fucking Derrick Henry in that range, I'm telling you, he is going to be a great value overall there. And to me, uh, again, when they're when they're both on their game, it becomes like really close in terms of who who it is between Cook and Henry. But because of the issues, because of the injuries, because of the contract, just be safe, take Henry, and reap the rewards because this guy is going to be running over defenses like his freaking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like he does it on a daily. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Uh, if we're just looking at the, the offensive line of the Titans, people are going to say, yes, they lost Jack Conklin. Big contributor last year. I am not going to say, oh, losing Jack Conklin doesn't mean anything. But at the end of the day here, they invested their first-round pick in another right tackle. That guy, Isaiah Wilson from Georgia, he is a freaking mauler. My, uh, my guy, people are talking about Mackay uh, Becton's size for valid reasons. This guy, Isaiah Wilson, is a good 6'7", 330 pounds on the right side. You think they're bringing him him in to be a nimble a nimble fucking pass locker? No, he is a he's the definition of a bear in the run game. You got a six foot three, two hundred and fifty pound running back with a mauling mentality type offensive line. Like he's going to push three hundred and twenty carries. I think his floor is like two hundred and ninety. So I mean, realistically, people want to say. And for valid reasons, oh well, I like that PPR floor where he's getting like 30, 40, 50 catches. The floor that you're getting with Derrick Henry is he's going to touch the ball 330 times on the season. So if you want to miss out on that because you just want to fade the uh, fade and be contrarian, that's on you. But give me King Henry at this spot all day. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if if there is one thing about Derrick Henry, it's that he is guaranteed for at least 16, 17, even 18 touches a game. Um, you know, would it be nice to have the PPR upside? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he clearly doesn't need it. I mean, he's been a, he's a top five, top six running back. He's being drafted as a top five, top six running back. And, you know, Deion Lewis is, Deion Lewis is gone, who has historically over the last couple of years been the receiving back uh, in Tennessee. 
And the only guy that they brought in is Darrington Evans, a rookie. So it's like, it's kind of hard to imagine Derrick Henry doesn't see at least an extra 10 to 15 targets this year, which hopefully could lead to that 25 to 30 reception mark. If you're giving him, even if it's, even if it's in half point PPR, if you're getting an extra, I don't know, eight points from the receptions, and then even if he only gains out of those 15 catches, even if he only gains like 100 yards, that's still an extra 20 points on the season almost. Yeah. So it's and, like if he's – and it's like, it, sure, I understand the notion with Derrick Henry where it's like, okay, if he doesn't get me 100 yards in a touchdown, he's not having a great RB1 week for me. And that's a fair point to make, but if there's anyone that's going to be almost a lock to see 100 yards and a touchdown every single week, it's probably going to be Derrick Henry. So, I mean, I'll admit, this time last year, I was not Derrick Henry's biggest fan. Me me neither. Well, I I didn't think 2018 was a fluke. I just didn't think that he would be able to consistently keep up with that pace. But clearly, he he shattered that. He had like one, maybe two bust games last year. Um, He's he's just fantastic. And now that he's on this big contract, um, you know, do I think maybe they cut his usage back just a tiny bit? Sure, because they're, they're going to want to make sure that he sees the end of his contract in four years. Um, but I do think with – even if his rushing attempts take a step back, it's not going to be more than like 10 or 20 on the entire year. And <laughs> like we were saying, like he could have more of a role on third downs. So, you know, with that being said, I currently have Derrick Henry ranked as my RB5 uh, for redraft. I have Delvin Cook at the RB8. I know that – taking your RB8 at the end of the first round makes sense, but I have this paradox where I just, I cannot take Dalvin Cook in the first round right now. Um, I will say if the contract situation does get solved before the start of the season on draft day, I probably would lean Dalvin Cook just because I'm one of those people that heavily favors the PPR upside. Um, but unless there is something literally inked to paper from Dalvin Cook, I'm taking Derek Henry all day. Exactly. I mean, you, you mentioned it too. And the, the narrative that I don't like is that like people just assume that if you're not like a PPR threat, you're not going to get a ton of targets just automatically. Oh, you're not a good receiver. Like Derrick Henry was a very efficient receiver last year when he did get his catches. So like 20 targets for Derrick Henry can be 15 catches with a 70 yard receiving touchdown off a screen pass. We saw it last year. I mean, People think, oh, he's a big back. He's going to maul you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude's got wheels. Dude, you get him in the open field, he can take one to the house. I mean, he's got legitimate four or five uh, speed at 250 pounds. Like, you give him a crease, he is absolutely housing it. So, for me, like, Derek Henry is such a dynamic talent. But uh, we talked about it. Uh, so to recap the video, we both agreed that we'd be taking Julio Jones over DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry over Dalvin Cook. So anything you want to add here uh, in this ADP battles installment before we get out of here, Mikey? No, nothing really. Um, just aside from I got to plug the dynasty again, you know, uh, we're going to be coming out with the Rises and Fallers every Sunday, and I'm going to be coming out with the main video on Wednesdays too. So I'm really pumped to be a part of the channel. Um, Super glad this is my first ADP battles where I'm not just a guest. I'm actually a part of the thing. So, you know, I just had to throw that in there. I'm pumped about it. There you go for sure. Yeah, we're going to have you, uh, your Twitter and everything linked in the description as well. Again, the newest member of the FSC team. Go check him out. Buddy's grinding. Uh, we still got to convince him that Todd Gurley's a no-go. I mean, I know some of you in the comments uh, are going to agree with him. So, uh, no, nah, I'm just playing well, with you. Well, if you're going to bring up Todd Gurley, you got to plug hey, well, my article. Come on. Yeah. Now. Our, our article is going to be linked in the description. I'm going to plug it in there just because you said it. <laughs> but uh, just know that me and Bush are going to have a talk with them. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, anyways, I, I ramble on too much. 
last thing I'm just going to quickly say, if you made it this far in the video and you enjoyed yourself, go comment what you think about the video, what you think about the picks, disagree, agree, whatever you want to say. Fuck. Tell me I want to look like a cutie. Tell, tell Mikey he, wanna looks like, he, he looks like a cutie. Whatever you want to say. We're down for it. But uh, yeah, and if you made it this far, go like and subscribe because we're going to come at you with that daily content. But for next time, peace out.